women also mourned and lamented him. So uh, what we see here is um, uh, in verse 25, uh, Pilate had had uh, succumbed to the pressure uh, and failed at his duty as a governor and gave into the pressure and and gave the mob uh, Barabbas and then delivered Jesus to them after the scourging. Then uh, they, they had their way and uh, they could uh, take Jesus and do what they wanted to do with him and, and crucifying him. And uh, we spent time uh, at length talking about crucifixion this morning, so we won't go there uh, now. So uh, at this point, as Jesus is, is moving to or toward Calvary, there's a great multitude, it says, of people who followed him and the women uh, were there. So this was big news. Uh, what was happening here was was uh, incredibly big news. So uh, a lot was happening uh, around there, and when something big like this is happening, a multitude's going to come and watch. You know, I don't know if, about you guys, but uh, in school, there's a fight in school. There's a whole multitude of people standing around. There's something big going on. A lot of people are going to be there. Whether you know, their their uh, degrees of involvement of involvement may vary. But everybody wants to see what's going on here. What, what am, am I going to miss something or whatever? But there's a great multitude here of people following Jesus, uh, the beaten Jesus. He'd been scourged, whipped, uh, you know, punched, blindfolded, all those things that we, we've discussed the past uh, two times. And uh, a, a body marred beyond recognition. And they're following Jesus. And um, this uh, great multitude is is uh, is is following now, and and the women are lamenting. And um, if if you remember, you know the things with the big news, uh, you know how big a news this was. And it reminded me uh, in Luke twenty four after the resurrection, uh, as the disciples are 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 walking and, and they're talking, discussing everything that that happened, and uh, their eyes hadn't. It's uh, the scripture says their eyes are still restrained. It wasn't quite time for them to understand the full uh, fullness of everything that had just happened. And Jesus asked them what kind of conversation they were having because it was evident that they were sad. So Jesus is, uh, you know, the risen Lord is having a discussion with them. And their response was, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened here in these days? It was big news. You know, uh, it makes me think of, you know, anytime we have something cataclysmic happening here, it was, it was the biggest news ever in Jerusalem. You know, and and they're they're like, where have you been the last three days? <laughs> Interesting question, right? You know, so uh, so it was it was that big of of uh, of an event there. So when when Jesus asks, uh, so uh, that whole multitude, everybody had had been around. They had all seen what had happened, and uh, and they they're they're getting ready to what we see here. So uh, that's why those guys are like, wait a minute, you have you been under a rock and literally, um, uh, behind the rock and, uh, the body, his body was, but so, so at what we're looking at here is, uh, right before that, that great multitude that's followed, we've seen great multitudes following Jesus, uh, for his teaching and, and watching him heal. And we've seen all those things. Now they're watching him walk towards his, his own death. And, uh, so, so they're there and it says that the women, uh, uh who also mourned and lamented him. So, uh, the women have a special courage about them that men don't have, uh, and this might just be my own personal opinion, um, but I see it in the scripture a lot that uh, when men will run and hide, uh, the women are, are uh, they don't care. They have that, I don't care, I'm staying right here mentality. Peter wanted that mentality. Peter wanted to stand with Jesus, and he was ready to. Uh, with the sword, right? He was ready to then, but when it came to him being alone and he was separated from Jesus and it came to him standing on his own, what did he do? He denied the Lord, right? Um, these women, they, they don't care. They're staying right there and they're mourning. And uh, the disciples are often hiding at this point. They're, they're often, and they're in an upper room hiding as we see they, they go and, and that's you know where they're at. And uh, these women... Nope. Remember who was at the tomb when we're going to read this? It's the first ones there were the women, right? The guys were the guys were still pretty scared, still you know locked away, waiting. I mean, it, it's a frightening thing that happened to him. Uh, and uh, but uh, like I said, the women, women have a special courage about about you. Women have a special courage about you, and uh, these guys are are uh, in 
are are hiding, and these these women are like, we don't care. We're staying, and we're gonna we're gonna mourn. You know what's happening here, and and uh, so Jesus looks at them in verse twenty eight and says, but Je- uh, but Jesus turning to them said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children, for indeed the days are coming in which they will say, blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and breast which never nursed then they will begin to say to the mountains fall on us and to the hills cover us for if they do these things in the greenwood uh, what will be done in the dry so it's a pretty pretty heavy statement that Jesus is saying here that that would be better uh, for a uh, you know a barren womb uh, would be uh, more blessed uh, than a uh, one that had had children and um, you know the breasts that have never uh, fed a child and uh, and we know that shortly after this in AD seventy there was a great destruction that came upon Israel and more than a million people were killed. Uh, and even more so, you can look after the Antichrist is is revealed, and and it's it, what Jesus told us as we were uh, we studied a few weeks back. It's get out of here. It's get out of you know, like you've got to get out of Dodge right now. Uh, and it, you know, don't turn back to get anything. Nothing. It's when the Antichrist is in the rebuilt temple and is demanding to be worshipped. Flee. Get out of there because you're not going to survive. You know, it's it's that type of mentality. Those last three and a half years of the tribulation are going to be awful, and uh, so so when you look at what the Lord is saying uh, here, is is there there wouldn't nobody wants to be around for that, uh, and it would be better rather than seeing the kids get murdered than uh, it's that type of mindset of oh wow if they haven't the womb hasn't been opened uh, from a child and and uh, the breast haven't fed a child that it would be better. In that state than uh, the ones that are stuck. Remember, because he said, pray. You know, the the, the ones that are are, are nursing and and uh, uh, have little ones, it's it's not going to be good. You know, we 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 studied that uh, earlier a uh, few weeks back. So, uh, and and looking forward, uh, you can look into a Revelation where. Um, it says, uh, Revelation 6, I'll just read you three verses, uh, 15 through 17. It says, in the kings of the earth, and now this is everybody hiding from Jesus, but we'll get an understanding of that fear of just asking for the for the, the rocks to fall down. You know, it's, it's that type of fear. It says, and uh, the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks follow fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand it's it's that same type of fear just get in there and now obviously they're there these are people that have rejected the lord and uh, are are fearing his wrath but it's that that type of fear that you would you'd rather run into uh, a cave. Now, I don't know about you guys, claustrophobia. Uh, <laughs> you ever been? I've been stuck as a kid. I was stuck in a uh, in an elevator for what seemed like forever, and I think the the door just stuck or something. But I was at Bucksport High School. My friend, uh, uh, my friend's dad was the uh, maintenance guy at, at Bucksport, and uh, one Saturday we just decided, hey, we're gonna go to work with you. And so we went to work with him. We're playing the elevators, and then it stuck. And did I lose my mind? <laughs> you know, just scared. You know, it's that 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 feeling of I can't get away. The, this what Jesus is talking about is is that that running to that enclosure and asking for the the worst that you think would happen is is begging for that to happen. You know, the Lord is is telling these ladies, the, these women that are following him, there there are bad things to come. You know, you can mourn for me, but they're, they're, they're especially immediately coming that they may even uh, witness in eighty seventy, because uh, this is eighty thirty three um, that they might you know be witness of, and uh, that things are going to get bad. Things are going to get bad. So the Lord is 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 uh, just warning them, and He's speaking to them. And uh, verse thirty two it says there were also two others criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. So two criminals, uh, both deserving of death. 
And uh, they ended up crucified with Christ. And it says that one's on one side and one's on the other. And uh, as we're moving through these uh, these scriptures, especially as the crucifixion has come to the point where it's at and, and then the resurrection, we see more of prophecy, excuse me, being fulfilled just continuously. It's almost like every verse is tied to you know prophecy, prophecy. And we talked about that uh, recently with over 350 uh, prophecies of, of, of Jesus and uh, for eight of those to be fu uh, fulfilled. And I think we talked about the bulldoze things with the quarters and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I think of it more often like if you if you if you take the likelihood and, and we're going to go through several of these prophecies and you take the like, likelihood of somebody fulfilling just a few of those. Um, you know, I was born in 1979. OK, so we know, OK, of all the people living in the United States right now, somebody had to be born in 1979. So that drops off a whole lot of people had to be born in Maine. Okay, so now we've got the state. Okay, so how many people were born in 79? How many people were born uh, in Bucksport, Maine uh, in, in uh, 1979? In October of 1979, um, uh, how many people were born in their house in, in Bucksport, Maine in October 79? After just getting through four or five of those, there's nobody else that I know of that was born in Bucksport, Maine the same month I was born in my house. Uh, how about October 8th? There's my birthday. Hopefully nobody's taken my uh, my identity here. But uh, but uh, that's just a few prophecies, and you think of 350 of them, and it's like as we're reading, there's just prophecy fulfilled, prophecy fulfilled, and it's just coming because the prophecies were about Jesus. So for his life and ministry, for his three and a half years of ministry, and for his life, 33 uh, or give or take year or so, but 33 years or so, it was all about prophecy being fulfilled where he was going to be born where would he flee to where would they come back to and you know all these things that that we've studied through uh either together or in our scripture uh, time all by ourselves you think of the prophecies fulfilled and and as we're reading through we're just going to see them just continue to come continue to come so uh one of those prophecies isaiah 53 verses uh nine and then we'll skip ahead to verse 12 says and they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was made, he was numbered, excuse me, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for transgressors. So we see that Jesus has been has been crucified, and it says right here uh, that uh, he was numbered with the transgressors. That's what that means. So in Isaiah 53, when you uh, come up on it again by yourself, you can go, oh, I remember that. That's from Luke 23. And you can just start putting these things together. If you don't have a Bible uh, like this one, uh, and I'm not telling you it's, my, it's the only Bible, but I've shared it with you guys several times, but I, I love this Bible. Um, you know, these, these column, these references, I live, that's where I live right there. I spend so much, so much time there because the scholars that, that, and, uh, that have put these things together, they, okay, this ties to this, this ties to this. And I just grab all those things and I throw them together. And then I just go through and I make sure that, okay, am I, am I totally off? And I'll, I'll listen to somebody teach and I'll go through some commentaries and not always the, the same thing, but you know those those the middle references I'm so blessed by because it 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 the the ties are all through there. So if you wanna you wanna study and and go through and see how how the Lord ties these scriptures together, uh, I highly recommend finding scriptures that have that in there. Uh, finding a Bible that has it in there because it makes things it it it. For, for me and my personality and the way I learn, I get all excited because I'm flipping back and forth. I'm taking notes and I got I got arrows drawn here. I've got arrow, everything, you know, because it's 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 something that that's showing me. So um, important for us to understand as we read these things that Jesus is fulfilling these uh, these prophecies like in Isaiah 53. So um, so Jesus is now between these two sinners and uh, we'll look more into what happens when we get to verse 39. Uh, but we see where Jesus is right now, that he has been crucified. He's he's on the cross um, and he's in the center uh, with uh, the criminals on either side of him. Verse 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. 
And they divided his garments and cast lots. So, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Um, probably a familiar uh, scripture to all of us in here uh, with the familiar faces that I see here. So, uh, unbelievably powerful. Jesus is, is showing the mercy and grace that only God could extend. He, he, that, that somebody, uh, that, that Jesus could actually forgive those uh, that, that just put him through all of those things. And uh, he's, he's, Father, forgive them. And uh, what, I, what I found in, in study was um, Peter in Acts chapter 3 uh, preaching uh, to uh, the whole crowd that he had there. And we see that oh, 3,000 people get saved after this sermon. It says, uh, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it, crucified Jesus in ignorance, and uh, did also, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that, that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. So when, when Jesus is, is praying, you know, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. The, the the forgiveness was there. It's just whether they're gonna uh, they're gonna come and and ask for that forgiveness. The forgiveness has already been been asked for uh, by Jesus, and and uh, for they do not know what they do. And I, uh, it, it's evident that. And then when we look in what Peter's even saying, it says uh, that they did it in ignorance. They now uh, I the word ignorant. I I didn't understand the word ignorant until I became an adult and everything. Right. Because a lot of people are like, you're ignorant, you know, and that means you're being a jerk or whatever, right? But it really, ignorant means you're, you're not aware, you're ignorant to something, you're, uh, you, or, or you're ignoring it, right? Uh, but uh, just that, that you're ignorant, a lot of times that, that ignorance means that you're, you're not aware uh, of what is happening. So uh, as we're looking into this and as we continue on, uh, that, that ignorance that he's, he's talking about here, just, just understanding what that means. So 34 says, and they divided his garments and cast lots. So here's another prophecy fulfilled. And, uh, the prophecy, uh, like I said, the fulfillment here is, is overwhelming. And uh, what it speaks to me is that, that God can be trusted with our future. He knows past, present, and future. All we need to do is place our trust in him, and, and he's going to take care of everything uh, for here and, and in eternity. There's nothing we can't trust the Lord for. He spelled out all these things that were going to happen hundreds and hundreds of years ago when you start looking back into the Psalms, and you go way back thousands of years before when you start looking into even Genesis. And, uh, and as you go through and you look at the Passover when you get to Exodus and all those things, you know, the Lord just, just doing a mighty, mighty work uh, that he can be trusted. And, and uh, it speaks to me of uh, that this is not just a book. This book, as the scripture says, is, is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, sharper than any uh, uh, any surgical instrument that we can think of, that it, that it can, uh, the dividing asunder, it says, uh, between uh, bone and marrow. You know, it, it, this it's sharper than anything. You know the, the the word can pierce into our hearts like like nothing else. Uh, so this this scripture is alive. This is what you know. Reading a book and it changing our lives. This it, because the Holy Spirit speaks to us as we read it and as we as we uh, go through. Now I know um, I've had conversation. I know Michael and I uh, had a conversation um, probably a month and a half ago. Just about somebody who had read the scriptures before and you know they're like yeah i read the bible once and, and, and you know and michael was able to share with me he's like just just one time right as, as a christian we should go through it more right because this is this is like this is our bread this is what we should live for remember jesus said man shall not live by bread alone but by the by every word of god we should be a steady diet of the scriptures and what the scriptures are going to do is is build us, strengthen us, and we're going to understand, whoa, this ties in here, and the excitement that comes from, oh, that's a prophecy that Jesus fulfilled right here, and we continue to grow. And, you know, when we go that, that bread and we're eating that meat, rather than just drinking the milk, we're, we're, we're feasting on something that's nourishing our souls. So uh, understanding that this just wasn't a book that was written by men, and I, I explained to you guys at work, I uh, one of my coworkers was saying that he ministered uh, to somebody, and it was a very short conversation because one got red in the face fast. Basically, shut up! I don't want to talk about this anymore. Um, and so, and he shared that 
with me. And, uh, and, uh, what, and what came up in that conversation, what often does is it's just, it's just a book written by man. Just a bunch of guys got together and they wanted to write something just so they can control everybody. I've heard some of those conversations and it's heartbreaking to hear that. But I also think that's, that's a, a dismissal of the word because there's conviction if they've heard it. And I, I, I have to believe that that's, that's the case. So when you look at the scriptures, you know, you got 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, written by over 35, um, 35 off, uh, officers, um, uh, authors, no contradictions. Uh, there's no inconsistency. Uh, the only inconsistency you're ever going to see is from man trying to transcribe the original scriptures. Because man can make may it a, 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 a opinion that they can throw in there or, or whatever it may be. But the, the, the scriptures are inerrant in their original in the original text. So, uh, you know, this is something uh, that as you know, that argument comes up, you know, uh, somebody who's who's arguing the scripture, they may cling to that when they don't, don't have a full understanding. And uh, but they can't argue the original text. You can bring them to that. And the Dead Sea Scrolls, I know Will has shared that with us is, oh, that's changed. Oh, really? In 1955, I think it was 55, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, everything's still matching up with the original scriptures, you know, and uh, it's just a, a blessing to be able to uh, to be able to share those things. And uh, one thing I've noticed is is when the when the discussion comes up with, can you really trust the Word of God? Can that be what governs your life? Is the the ones that are are in opposition to it can't really speak to exactly what what they believe is an inconsistency or in and uh, and in, uh, inaccuracy in the scripture it's just oh no it's just written by men a bunch of people want want to control everybody and uh, but you know, can you you know in, in in graciously say can you show me what you mean by that uh, they're not going to want to you know but for us we know that this is this is alive and powerful and that it, that it transforms us and and builds us and as we're going through and we're seeing the word and how powerful it is, and we're seeing all these scriptures, un, excuse me, these prophecies uh, being fulfilled, it's uh, as I've already described, but it's mathematically impossible that anybody else could ever be the Messiah. It's mathematically impossible. Because if you start putting everything together, where you get into Daniel's prophecies, and when he's talking about, okay, after the, the uh, decree is given that they can rebuild the temple, that stopped in, uh, you know, in Jesus' day. You know? So 483 years later, that was it. There was only, that, that was the time frame. And uh, if the, somebody didn't come, come forward in that year, nobody else can mathematically be the Messiah. And, uh, you know, just, uh, we, I know we, dove into that. We spent uh, you know, a, great, uh, a great amount of time going through that. But as we're going through these, understand and, and keep that in our minds that there, there is no other Messiah to look for. The only time that, that everybody's going to see Jesus again is when he's coming on the clouds. That, that's it. You know, that's, that's the next time everybody's going to see Jesus. So when somebody comes and, and is deceiving and everything, that, that's the spirit of Antichrist. That is not Christ. Anybody, he's going to deceive. He's going to have all these tricks and everything. Important to understand: there's there's one that could be the Messiah. It is Jesus Christ. Um, Israel missed him the first time, and uh, they're not done. We talked about their rejection isn't final and it's not total. Uh, they they will be grafted in again. We see, uh, but uh, in, in of itself, they uh, they they missed the point. So, um, speaking of. Uh, scriptures being fulfilled psalm 22 so if uh, studying scriptures uh, specifically about the crucifixion isaiah 53 and psalm 22 uh and psalm 110 uh you know some of those there psalm 110 is a messianic psalm but it really um uh, psalm 22 isaiah 53 is where you're going to find a lot of correlation and you can put these things together uh psalm 22 verses 14 through 18 says i am poured out like water all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing... They cast lots. Psalm 22 right there. 
It's another one that can only be fulfilled by Jesus Christ. So all these things, as we're reading through, the, the, the power in the prophecy fulfilled uh, is, is amazing. That these guys here, these jokers standing around at the, at the feet of Jesus' cross, because it was a joke to them. It was very much so. Uh, we talked about you know, the crucifixion and the four types of crosses that were used, and and uh, Rome, uh, Rome adopted uh, from uh, Carthage the uh, the Latin cross that looks like the lowercase t, um, and uh, they would put whatever that person was convicted of, nail it up on the cross next to him to make a statement, right? And uh, in wartime, uh, that's that's the crucifixion was used as a, as a as a cruel way to punish your enemy. Uh, and then Rome saw how effective it was and, and decided to use it uh, as a means to get everybody to do what they wanted them to do. Or, hey, you're going to end up like that guy and those people you see lined up on the roads. And we talked about that this morning, so I won't dive into that too, too much. But uh, these guys, they're so used to it and they're so callous uh, to the suffering of somebody that they're just sitting there and they're casting lots. So so they've got people there. And it, what good would it do to rip off a sleeve of the robe that they put on Jesus, they're casting lots, rolling the dice, or whatever, uh, whatever you know method they were using, just to find out who was going to get this. They had no idea what they were casting their lots for. Rather than tear it apart, one person was the the lucky winner. Ah, and they're laughing and da da da, and they're mocking him and they're saying those things. That's the creator of the earth, <laughs> the creator of of. All create, you know, the the maker of all creation hanging on that cross. God in the flesh is hanging on that cross, and you guys are sitting here uh, like he's just some some normal guy that you guys are making a statement from. They didn't care, so they're casting lots. They just it just shows you how callous their hearts were. They're literally casting lots and not understanding that when they're doing it, they're fulfilling prophecy from Psalm twenty-two, verse thirty-five. And the people stood looking, uh, looking on. But when the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, uh, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Remember, uh, back in Luke 4.23, Jesus gave a glimpse into this, and he said, You will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. All the way back in Luke chapter 4, verse 23. And these guys here are saying, you know, he, uh, if, if you're the, the Christ, will save yourself. If, if, if you're the one uh, that can do all this, and uh, they're, they're mocking him. Hey, here's some wine and everything. Just, just mockery, uh, creating a mockery out of Jesus. They've already nailed him to the cross like there isn't enough going on. You know, he's already beaten. It's his, his visage was marred beyond recognition. Uh, so here's this man, you know, just beaten to a, a bloody pulp, whipped, all these things hanging there, and they can just continue, uh, just just totally callous. They they have no soft spot in their hearts, anything. And uh, after casting lots for his stuff, they they're all just hit, hurling insults. <clears throat> Guess what? Another prophecy fulfilled from Psalm 22, verses 7 through 8, and verse 13 says, "All those who see me ridicule me." They shoot out their lip. They shake their head saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. They gape at me with their mouths like raging, like a raging and roaring lion. So the mockery is continuing uh, for that time. Things are going to change for them. And uh, things did change for each of these men as it does for every man. It's, a man, uh, it's appointed uh, uh, to every man uh wants to die and then the judgment right and and you know once we die uh, then we're in in the presence of the lord and that's either a good thing for us where we hear good and faithful servant uh or eventually uh they're going to hear away from me i never knew you and they're going to be cast away philippians 2 verses uh, uh 9 through 11 says therefore god also has highly exalted him jesus and given him the name which is above every name that at the, that name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, whether uh, because they have to or because they want to, they're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So these guys can have their fun. And if you if you look at the here, they are mocking Jesus. They've lifted him high on a cross, but God has lifted him high and set him on the throne. And it says that God has exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. They can curse his name as they did here, mock him, make fun of him, and and do stuff to act like they want to help him and just make his humiliation even worse uh, and, and, and then answer for it. That's the scary part for them. That's the scary part. And I just uh, they, they were part of the mockery and uh, and to, to have to uh, to answer for that. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself, it says in verse 37. Verse 38 says, and an inscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. So Pilate had this uh, put on here. John gives us some insight of, uh, of, of this, and we'll look into that from John uh, chapter 19. Uh, Matthew 27 is also another um, a cross-reference. You can get into Mark 14, 15, and 16 also to uh, as you uh, you know want to look into these things. But uh, Pilate uh, had, had uh, written this inscription, and it was typical, like we spoke of, for a conviction, uh, for somebody to have, you know, thief or uh, uh, rebel or whatever it was written above them so that everybody would know, don't do this. Don't do this because you're going to end up like him. Rome was so cruel. It was such a cruel death, and they would use that to make a statement. Pilate says in three different languages, the three prominent ones, Greek, Latin, and, and Hebrew, uh, especially in that area, was this is the king of the Jews. So he faced opposition about it but, um, uh, but wasn't willing to change it, so it remained. Uh, so as he wrote it in all three uh, languages, we see that it, it makes the uh, the religious leaders um, not happy, uh, as we can gather from John's account. John 19, excuse me, verses 19 through 22 says, Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, uh, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore, the chief priests and the Jews said to Pilate, "Do not write the King of the Jews." But he said, uh, "But he said, Jesus, uh, I am the King of the Jews." They wanted them to say, "He said this. This is why he was crucified because he said this." That they said he was the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, "said What I have written, I have written." You know, Pilate failed uh, in, overall in his duties as governor of Judea, but. Uh, but there were points uh, that he was not willing, uh, and this was one of them that he wasn't going to compromise. He said, "No, I'm putting this up here," uh, and uh, so so that as we as we see that that's that was left there. Pilate put it there, and he left it there. They can uh, he's basically saying you can say whatever you want; it's not going to change. Verse thirty nine. Then one of the criminals who hanged, uh, sorry, who were hanged, blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we, indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Awesome scripture to cover. There's a lot. You can study this. You can pray over it and just, just continue. All, obviously, you can do that over this, this whole account. But just right in here, these criminals. Now, um, uh, understanding that at one point, Matthew said that they both blasphemed. So there was uh, there was clearly at one point that they were both bla both blaspheming, but something happens. So uh, what we can say, we, we don't know uh, how much exposure these two ever had to Jesus or the messages of Jesus uh, until they ended up where they were at. We don't, we don't know. Uh, but one thing we can conclude is that at one point, both of them were blaspheming, and then there's a change, and one understands, wait a minute, I'm wrong. I'm wrong, and I, I need Jesus. You know, so so let's look into this uh, a little bit further. And so, based on what we know, based on what we can read here, just uh, in the text, is uh, these two have the same amount of uh, of information 
on Jesus, of, of who he is and what's happening around them. Um, but they come to two different conclusions uh, at the end of it. So, uh, And it's very true for it could be two people hear the gospel, and uh, one may accept and one may reject. We don't know. But we all have that. Well, as soon as we hear the gospel, we have that choice of whether we're going to accept and embrace Jesus and walk with him or reject him and go uh, about our own way and uh, follow our own will. So what we see here is that one blasphemes and rejects Jesus even to the point of no hope till his last breath. And what we see there is in that complete and total rejection in his life, we can come to the conclusion that that man did not go into paradise as Jesus said the other one would. That man went to eternal condemnation and damnation in hell. I'll take the other one, personally. That, uh, it's, uh, so, but what we do see is that one of them came to the point of a belief in Christ. And, and it, the, the scripture does not tell us when that happened, but it's, neat, it's a neat study to look into and see, okay, what was this guy exposed to? What could he hear from Jesus and what could he see around him? Um, and we can kind of come to some pretty neat um, uh, theories and, uh, and and things. And I, I, I encourage you to not make a dogmatic stance on something because if the scripture is quiet about it, then we can be quiet about it. We don't have to try to speak where the scripture is silent. But what did these guys hear? And I, I, um, I, I truly think that it was when he heard Jesus just a few verses back say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That's when I think this man came to faith because he realized that he could be mad and he could be cursing all these people and 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 just fighting back and in his in his uh, suffering and everything lash like a like an injured animal just lash out. You don't go near an injured animal, right? That's kind of the. I remember as a kid, my mom and, and dad tell me never go near an injured dog. You know, go get somebody or whatever. It's because they don't want to be touched. Jesus, you know, could have had that mentality, but where is his heart? broken for the lost that are around him, for mankind that are lost around him. And I personally believe that that's when that man's heart changed, is when he heard that, when he heard, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That's when I think it happened. And something happens, something changes in him. And uh, you know, he came to that point, and he couldn't deny Jesus anymore. And what we see here uh, in... Uh, verse 40 is his tone changes and he answers the other one and says, do you not even fear God seeing that like we're, we're dying? You know, if you ever uh, heard of Don Francisco uh, as a guy uh, in the seventies, a uh, Christian uh, music artist, he's got a totally different sound than what would be popular in these days, but he would tell Bible stories um, uh, with his guitar. Very, uh, some people loved him. Some people didn't care for him. I I really appreciate the the power power and the story and how he delivers it. Uh, it would suck me right in. And some of those songs, there are some songs I don't care for. But a friend shared an album and and he wrote a song about this specific uh, occurrence and uh, and and the ways he's describing it. And and you know he's like uh, he he describes that one of them looking over the other one said. You're going to cast us both into the pit. Is that what you intend? As part of the, the lyrics, he says. And then um, as he's describing, you have to look up the song. And as we're, as we're here, I'll look it up before, we, before you go uh, and share with you the name of, of that specific song. Um, uh, because I, 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 can't re I can't remember the name of it right now. And I don't want to do that in the middle of our, of our uh, lesson here. So I'll do it at the very, very end. Uh, remind me if I pray and I say, hey, you said you were going to say something about Don Francisco because I highly encourage you you listen to that song because it's really neat because after uh, after he you know they, they all die he he you think the song's kind of over and then he keeps going and the song builds with this whole chorus behind him I've cried listening to this song it has brought me to tears and it's like you know how there are some songs I you know, I the tiger um, when I was on the wrestling team in high school uh, we heard that so many times it was supposed to be a pump up song. If you want a pump-up song that that's just gonna like like drive you to the point of praising God, and I'm not saying we need those things. All we gotta do is meditate on who God is. But this is a cool one that's gonna bless you, I I, I think. Um, and it's uh, he starts describing what this guy might have seen, and he's you know he he sees the streams and he see like all these things, and then he's he's hearing the choruses of the saints singing. You know, Jesus is the Lord of all. We've been redeemed, and even now I'm starting to get choked up because. 
when you think of the sin and, and everything that, that has been left behind and you can stand and look at the Savior, the one that saved you from eternal damnation and, and, and a separation from God from eternity and brought us to that point where we can now look on the Savior, he, I just, he did a great artistic way of, of describing what he believed happened to this guy on that day. Because this guy's saying, you know, calling him out saying, wait a minute, this, we are getting what we deserve and here's another person. Remember, we talked about Pilate. We talked about Herod. There's so many people saying he's done nothing wrong. Here's one nailed to the cross and on, on his way to death. And, and he's even saying, you know, Jesus has done nothing wrong. You know, so what he sees is he sees the sinfulness of everyone around him. And then this is where I, another part where I kind of stand where, where he heard, Father, forgive them, but they don't know what they do. And he realized the innocence of Jesus. And he was able to, to correct the other guy and say, man, we're, we're dying. We're on our way to hell right now. What do you have to hold on to that's worth anything? Uh, you know, this is, he says, we, we've, sin, you know, uh, we've sinned all our whole lives and we're getting our due reward. And then he looks at Jesus in verse 42 and he said uh, to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me. In paradise. So uh, after rebuking that that other uh, that other criminal, uh, he looks right at Jesus. The eye contact is there, and they're suffering, uh, and uh, he knows he's worthy of of going to hell. Um, but he knows that Jesus uh, has done nothing wrong, and he can call. He understands now what he sees and what he's what he's gathered is that this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah dying. I'm dying. Uh, uh, right beside the Christ, and uh, and he recognized this, and um, he recognized that Jesus is paying the the, the penalty of the sin, of sin uh, the sin of of mankind, and he speaks in faith to Jesus. What this this what he's saying here is, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He understands now what who Jesus is, and now he can speak. He 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 previously blasphemed Jesus and ridicule, ridiculed Jesus. Then something happens in him, and he looks at Jesus, and he asks for salvation is what he's asking for. And Jesus assures him, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, um, this world has a weird look on what paradise is. Because when you hear paradise, when I do, I don't know if your mind goes to the Caribbean. You know, right? right? And you see the, the blue, clear water, and you know, the palm tree, and the beach, and everything. We're still in the earth. It's it's a beautiful creation that God has made. It's not the paradise of Je Jesus. Wasn't saying, "Hey, we're going to have some mixed drinks," you know, on the beach. You know what I mean? He's saying, "You're going to be in in heaven with me today. You're going from this ruthless execution, and where where Jesus knows his legs are going to be broken, and he's going to have nothing to hold himself up on, and he's going to suffocate, or he's his heart's going to fail, and he's going to die." That a horrific death, but that's going to be the worst that can happen to him because then he's going to step into eternity with Jesus Christ. I mean, wow, you know that that's what he's saying. Today you will be uh, with me in paradise. He was telling the man that uh, all of that stuff was was going to be gone, and and that it's uh, uh, that he was going into when this is over. You're going into the presence. Uh, uh, my presence in, in, in front of God the Father. So uh, notice that Jesus didn't say to him, well, you've got some of your, your, your ducks in a row, but uh, you didn't get to do this in your life to pay for your sins. Sorry. Jesus didn't say that. It was instant salvation for this guy because uh, what, what does Romans tell us? If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, then we can be saved, right? That's what that, you know, when we look into uh, the, the scriptures and uh, there's so there's so many of them. I can say here, okay, we have First John, and you know, it's just rolling out there. But ultimately, what it is is belief in our heart, confess with our mouth, and we're saved. This guy's saved. He has no opportunity to go do anything good. He has no opportunity to go get baptized. Baptism does not save us. Baptism, following baptism, is uh, is is a command. We are commanded to be baptized. That it would be a public profession of faith. Uh, for those around us to, to hear of the change that's happened in our life. And it's a reminder to us. It's a, it's a, it's a milestone in our life where we can say, I was, I was put underwater. The old man, old woman died, and the new creation in Christ has been raised up. 
That that's baptism, but it is not. Uh, we don't need to be baptized to be saved. Otherwise, Jesus Christ is a liar, and he just told him, ah, you know, false promise. I'm just going to tell you something. I'm going to feed you some rat poison, right? I'm going to give you some some hope here, but uh, and you're going to think everything's okay, but it's really not. You know, that's that would be that would be so. Um, so so wicked to do to somebody. No, Jesus made the promise because that man was saved. There was nothing that he needed to do to obtain salvation. For us, after we're saved, we should be baptized because it's a command in the scripture. So when we have the baptismal here, or we go somewhere out to Lemoyne Beach or whatever, you haven't been baptized? Talk to me, talk to Will, and, and get that set up, and, and we'll dunk you, and, and, uh, and it's done. But that's not it's not a, a grounds for salvation. This man here... Uh, upon his profession of faith in Jesus Christ, that's where his salvation came. The baptism is a obedience to the command to go get baptized, but it is not a condition of salvation. I lost where I was. 44, 44 thank you. Needed that. So, uh, and uh, one other thing, thank you. Uh, one other thing is uh, Jesus knew that uh, he would uh, that they would all die uh, within that day uh, because of the Passover and uh, because it was a, a, a holy, it was a, a, a special Sabbath. So in that, in and of itself, is God's mercy on the other two. Um, and uh, because we, as we studied this morning, crucifixion could be two to six days that they're just hanging on a cross. Uh, that's horrific to think of. I don't even, I couldn't even imagine. Verse 40, excuse me, 44. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour. Now, uh, that, that specific verse, um, oh, sorry, we'll go into 45, uh, too. Uh, then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. So uh, that three hours, so what it says here is about the sixth hour. So noon to three uh, was uh, was darkness over the entire earth, it says. Uh, there are a lot of people that have opinions on on what that darkness symbolized. Uh, don't know for sure, but we can speculate. Okay, maybe that's the time uh, that that uh, mankind can understand that Jesus Christ took the sin uh, for those three hours that he hung on the cross. Uh, at that point, the the darkness there and uh, that he was there uh, symbolized, the, you know, the the penalty. Uh, that Jesus was taking of of sin and uh, and the the darkness of sin. So there are several different things, but there was this miraculous darkness that covered the face of the earth is what's what's being described here. So we don't know why, what that symbolized, or or what it truly meant. Um, but there there's a lot of things there. But one thing we do know is that. Uh, that it was that it covered the face of the earth for three hours. The sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. So that veil, we've talked about it before, so I'll be a little more brief than I normally would be, but that veil was torn from top to bottom. That means that God ripped that veil. And as we've, we've studied before, uh, it's it said that that, that veil um, uh, might have been uh, up to 18 inches thick of fabric you know, interwoven and everything. Very, very strong. Uh, I heard uh, Ken, Ken Graves talking, and I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the power that it would have taken. It was certain teams, certain amount of teams of oxen on each side to pull that type of, uh, of, of a, a veil uh, in, in half. There was no, they didn't like have it on, and they, on cue, somebody, you know, cue the oxen and it's ripped. It was God making a statement that there was no more of a separation between God and man. Uh, shared the scripture, First uh, Timothy two five uh, earlier this morning. But there was one God, and one mediator between God and man, and that's a man, Christ Jesus. There's no longer a need for an earthly high priest to stand and to offer sacrifices once a year, as as the the Jews uh, um, uh, would would observe Yom Kippur uh, one time a year. The priest could go into the holy of holies uh, behind that veil. And offer a spotless lamb for the, all the sins of of Israel as a nation together. Now, uh, through there was there was the 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 holy place where the 
uh, the priest would go in there and they would uh, you do their daily um, uh, daily uh, priestly duties of offering sacrifices and incense and those things. And then you, you, you start working your way out in the outer courts and um, the gathering places for uh, people that were uh, Gentiles that became Jews. Uh, and then uh, a little bit closer would be the women, a little bit closer would be the men and then the priests. And uh, so, so looking at all that, but in, inside the innermost part of of the temple and the, the uh, where where it all all really mattered that holy of holies that could only be entered one time per year by the high priest to offer that sacrifice on Yom Kippur for uh, the whole nation that veil that separated was torn. There's no longer we have no law no longer have a need for an earthly high priest. We have Jesus who go through and read Hebrews is awesome. We don't know who the author of Hebrews is. I think it was Paul. Some say it was Luke. Doesn't matter. Um, but the, it's it's such an awesome in depth look of Jesus as our high priest. It's such an amazing thing to go through, and we've studied here in recent weeks um, of how he intercedes for us. That God, uh, the uh, God the Son and God uh, the Spirit are interceding for us in our prayers here, and God the Son interceding for us in the presence of God for us. That's what this all means. There's no longer uh, any need for man to do anything for us. Uh, there, I, 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 and I, I don't want to be perceived as someone who bashes uh, anybody who's a Catholic, but we don't need to go to a, a Catholic priest and profess our, our, uh, confess our sins and go do this and say this ten times and do this ten. That, that's, that's a religion. That's something man-made. That's, uh, man, uh, that's tradition. That's vain repetition that's condemned in the scripture. That, that shouldn't happen. When we pray, it should be an honest prayer from our heart uh, lifted to the Lord, and that's it. We don't have to say it 15 times, just like nobody should have to say something to us 15 times to us to make sense. It makes for an awkward conversation, doesn't it? Like, yeah, I heard you the first 15 times, right? You know, it's it's just uh, we just go to the Lord with a with a with a, a broken heart or, or, or over anything. We can now go to the presence of the Lord and, and just lift our prayers directly to him because of Jesus' death on the cross. When he died, the veil of the temple was torn. That, that darkness was over, over the, the, the earth for three years. That veil was ripped. It was torn. There's no more separation um, between God and man. So as that's ripping, uh, and uh, th th all these things are happening. And when Jesus had cried out, uh, with verse 46, uh, with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God and said, certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together uh, to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. But all the acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee, Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. So we read here another uh, scripture fulfilled, Psalm 35, verse uh, 31, verse 5, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus is giving up the ghost. He's, he's, he's you know, giving up his spirit to uh, the Father, and he breathed his last. Uh, other gospel accounts, Jesus says, uh, it, it adds in a little bit more, it is finished. Everything's done. The, it's it's all fulfilled and not Jesus saying, well, hey, Father, I've done my part. Uh, now it's now it's up to them to uh, to do the rest of the things that they need to be saved. It is finished. The finished work of the cross is is what we can place our faith and trust in, and and who Jesus is and what He did. And Jesus did it all in the only way um, uh, that that would fulfill God's will. Remember, He prayed in the garden, "If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me." There wasn't. And Jesus, when it was all done. All of that was done. He had taken on the 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 sin, and he had taken on that burden, that burden that uh, that uh, just uh, tremendous. I, could, I can't even. Imagine, I'm not even going to try to start putting words in there to describe it. But he had taken the sins of all mankind on, and uh, now he says, uh, "It is finished." And Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So he completely fulfilled all of the requirements for us to be saved. Everything's done. We can place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And, and his shed blood on the cross and his grace and mercy. And that's where salvation stands. That's where that's that's how we're saved. So as we're reading here, we see uh, that uh, this centurion uh, witnessed this. 
And he, he it says he glorified God, and certainly this was a righteous man. So in Jesus' death, everybody starts seeing, everybody's beating their breasts. And I, wait a minute. <laughs> something cataclysmic just happened here. They, they realize something, something big uh, just happened here. And it says in verse 49, But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him uh, from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. So we know that, uh, that what happens here uh, for uh, the other guys um, is uh, when we look at other gospel accounts is, so Jesus dies, but the other two are still alive. And uh, the, the soldiers come up and uh, they, what was common is if they wanted to expedite somebody's death is they would break their legs because they would push up with their feet and pull uh, on the, the, the nails here, pull themselves up take a breath and then go back down and then they would end up suffocating or uh, they'd have heart failure and just die. So to speed up the process, they'd come up and make it even more brutal, hit them in the legs, break their legs. And then they, they that's it. You know, they, they can no longer push up to try to get their breaths. Um, and uh, because there was a Sabbath, they didn't want men hanging on the cross. Uh, so they, uh, they were trying to speed up the process here. So when they got to Jesus, uh, it was already done. And uh, the, uh, Another scripture fulfilled was uh, Psalm 34, verse 20. It says, his bones weren't broken. And uh, it, the, the scripture says, uh, he guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. And uh, to make sure that Jesus is, is uh, in another gospel account, to make sure Jesus was, was dead, they, uh, I think it was John, uh, John 19, is uh, they come up with a spear and they stab him in the side. And blood and water uh, poured out of Jesus. And there's another one uh, fulfilled. Uh, and uh, they said, uh, they shall all look on him whom they pierced from uh, Psalm 22, once again, in Zechariah uh, 12, 10. So John tells us uh, that as Jesus, that it was John, I have it right here, that uh, his uh, side was, was pierced and stabbed by the Roman spear. So blood and water is flowing out of him. And I've actually heard the absurdity of people saying Jesus really wasn't dead. He was in a coma. That's how you can you can uh, explain away everything that happened and that that he rose again and you know some people were hired they rolled away the stone they paid off the guards all this stuff and and it's all just a sham. Not if you look at the entirety of everything that happened. We've already looked at the extreme beating. The scourging itself would kill people. Then you nail somebody to a cross after all of that. And not only that, then stab them in the in you know in the side. We don't know exactly where it was, but blood and water flowed. Could have been that sack around the heart. I'm not a nurse or a doctor or anything, but that that sack around the heart, um, where blood and water is pouring out of him. Who is going to survive that for three days, laying in a cold tomb with no medical attention, no antibiotics to fight it? It's not like they took the spear and said, "Hey, let's, let's let's sanitize this before we stab him with it." You know, just all these things there. It's absurd. That man wants to 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 discount and, and disprove God or just uh, just totally ignore it and and cast it away, cast him away. Um, and, you know, after all of those things come together, it's an absurdity to say that there's anything other that happened other than Jesus Christ died. Oh yeah, the veil of the temple just just tore by itself. You know, and somebody somebody must have done it. It was a great conspiracy. The disciples were up there with their, you know, hunting knives and cutting the thing. And, you know, no. And then, and then that happens. And, and it's such a powerful thing that as all these things are happening, the centurion says out the crowds, uh, the crowd is, is um, affected by this. Uh, and uh, all these other people that had followed him are standing back and, and they're, they're seeing all these things that happen. It didn't, it, it, you know, and then when we get into verses uh, 50 through 56, we're going to make it. Uh, and I'm going to speed up a little bit, try to get on time here. Um, you don't bury somebody that's still alive, <laughs> right? Okay. So uh, what we see here, verse 50. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, Sanhedrin, uh, a, a good and just man. So that Sanhedrin that we've studied, not all of them were, were murderous. There were a couple uh, held back here that we're going to see. Uh, Joseph and Nicodemus might be some pretty familiar names to you. Uh, he had not consented to their decision and deeds. Indeed, uh, he was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, uh, who himself also was waiting for the kingdom of God. This man 
went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it uh, in a tomb that was hewn out of rock where no one uh, had ever lain before. That day was before uh, was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. So we see here Joseph of Arimathea, where he, he's described as one of their council of the Sanhedrin, but he is described as a good and just man. He didn't consent to what had happened. He was a believer. He was waiting for the kingdom to come. A secret disciple of Jesus, maybe, if you want to look at it that way, based on uh, his, his position. Uh, and after this, the secret was out. Because he and Nicodemus, uh, if, you, if you look forward in, into John, um, uh, it, was, it was Nicodemus went with him. And uh, uh, they went and went straight to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. No doubt the word got out at that point that, hey, did, did, you, guys, did you guys see? You know, these guys here, they went and asked for the body of Jesus. They went and cared for it. It's out. You know, they, they, are, they uh, have, have made a public statement that, they're, they're going to do this no matter what. They understood what it meant. So they went to Pilate. And uh, so we've, we've talked about Joseph. Uh, Nicodemus also went through him. And, and that might be a, a popular name. He was also part of the Sanhedrin. Um, John chapter 3, you may remember uh, the, the discussion that he had. So he went to Jesus by night. didn't want to be seen. He went to Jesus by night, and they, they have the conversation of eternal life and what somebody may, must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus has to kind of correct him. He's like, are you the teacher of Israel, and, and, and you don't know? Because he says, you know, for one to be uh, saved, they must be born again. And he's like, How, do they enter into their mother's womb again? And that's when Jesus, you know, they, they have that whole conversation. It was that Nicodemus. Nicodemus was also, uh, uh, we can see him in John chapter 7, uh, where Jesus was being uh, rejected by the authorities, and they were trying to figure out uh, who he was. And Nicodemus said, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? That's Nicodemus. So Nicodemus was one that, that when he heard who Jesus was, so these, these two guys weren't consenting to what was happening. They were part of the Sanhedrin, but uh, no doubt being muted uh, or just being sitting quietly. But they couldn't sit quietly anymore. When they saw what had happened, they made, they, they made it public. They went to Pilate. They asked permission. Pilate was amazed that he was already dead. Uh, and uh, there's an, uh, the Romans were public executioners. If there was any question whether he was dead, that's why they stabbed him there. Because if they failed in their duties, it's their life. They were that sure that Jesus Christ was dead that they took him, they stabbed him, and they said, "Yep, he can be taken off. He, he's dead." Jesus Christ was dead, and these guys went and they they got his body and uh, they they tended to it. So both men made public displays and uh, that they were willing to be associated with Jesus now. They received the permission, took the body down, and they wrapped it in strips of, of linen and spices. Uh, it says 100 pounds of myrrh. Uh, 100 pounds of myrrh. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of a, uh, an embalming uh, uh, fluid. Now, myrrh might sound familiar. Remember the gifts that were brought to Jesus by the wise men? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we've talked about, Will has said it before, it's an awkward gift to give a baby, Embalming fluid, <laughs> right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, myrrh for what we see as the sacrifice, one that was going to die. Prophetic. Those gifts were prophetic all the way back then. Another prophecy uh, being fulfilled. So that myrrh, that, that burial frankincense. So Jesus was, uh, as we look at him and as we're, we're closing out our study here, we understand that the women uh, were... Uh, they still followed and they observed everything, but they, they had to go back home to uh, be uh, obedient to uh, the, uh, the laws of the Sabbath. And they knew where his body was. It wasn't a mistake. They knew exactly where it was. So remember uh, that we're, when we get into this, I'm spoiling the story here, but when they get in and they go and, and Jesus' body isn't there and they're like, who, who took his body? Where have you taken him? 
you know, because they had their stuff that they wanted to, to, uh, to the oils and stuff they wanted to, to pour in his body. Um, uh, but these women knew that they, they would have to come back, uh, because of the, uh, the, um, this Sabbath. They had a true endearment in their hearts. I know I've explained this in a loyalty that couldn't be broken. You know, uh, they, they just, uh, the guys, like I said, they were, the guys were hiding. You know, we had a couple guys that stood up there, uh, but the other ones were too afraid to be seen in public. And uh, <clears throat> these women were still there. So uh, as we close, just um, some, uh, just one thing, that, you know, an observation that the Lord has, has put on my heart is that when you think of Jesus's life, he was, he was born in a manger. There wasn't any room for him in an inn, right? Uh, so he got, he was born in a barn. Um, Jesus made the, 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 the statement himself, you know, uh, the son of man, you know, foxes have holes to go into. The son of man doesn't have a place to, ra- to lay his head. Jesus would stay wherever he was. He went around kind of nomadically and, and, uh, and ministered to people. And then he died and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. You know, he's not going to be there for long. We know he's just borrowing it for a few days. But, but essentially, the Savior of the world, born in a barn, uh, didn't amass a kingdom to himself uh, and, and walk around and, and, uh, and demand that everybody bring him the best of everything and all those things. He, he came here to do the Father's will, and then when he died, uh, he was buried in somebody else's tomb. And uh, that, that's our Savior. That's our Savior. And there's a lot. I, and now there... Uh, reading through this, I encourage you to go back and read it yourselves and spend some time in prayer and, and, and read through these and see how the Lord speaks to you and, and how, because he might open a verse to you and go, Oh, Hey, I, I forgot about that part or whatever, and go through and read. I mean, I, I share with you what the Lord lays on my heart. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, you know, where, what you're going to get from me is, you know, God lays it on my heart and I'm going to share that with you. But there's always uh, it's always important for us to spend that time uh, in prayer and then just be in the Word by ourselves and and read and and ask the Lord just to continue to to help us to 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 grow and uh, to carry these things with us as we move forward. So that's our study for tonight. Let's pray and and we'll be uh, on our way starting another week. So Father, we thank you so much, uh, Lord, as we read of the crucifixion. That we understand as believers all of the horrors of what we just read and the darkness that, that covered the face of the earth, the veil of the temple. We understand the symbolism uh, of, of the, the veil being torn, Lord. We, we understand and we, we know and trust that our sins are washed away. They're gone. Because of this very scripture that we can uh, reference and learn of what Jesus did for us. We thank you, Lord, that we have a way of salvation. Otherwise, we, we, we have no hope. We just faced eternal uh, condemnation and, and damnation and separation from you. Because of what was done on the cross, we can have new life and we can be forgiven. Praise your name for that. We pray that you be with us through the rest of this week and be with Will and help him with uh, with all the pain and discomfort he's been dealing with that's kept him from being with us uh, in the morning and evening services. I pray that you minister to him, minister to his family as they're faithfully just trying to take care of him. And We just pray that you'd, you'd heal him up and bring him back. Be with us this week, we pray, and send us out and use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.